0: Somebody praise Him. Somebody praise Him. Somebody praise Him. Ten seconds of praise. Come on. Ten, nine, eight, seven. I can't hear you. Three, two, one. Hallelujah. Now, before you're seated, we've come to do war today. We've come to confront fear and lethargy today. Some of you, by the time you leave today, not only you will be healed mentally, but physically, because miracles have been happening in our services. But not only that, we're gonna confront the liar, Satan himself, and we're here to break off anything that happened to you in your life. You say, that's, you're, you're, you're declaring a tall order. You don't understand. There comes a moment where you have to look at the enemy and say, not anymore. And we have come to confront fear And some of you have been so worried about what's hiding behind the corner. Can I tell you, the only thing hiding around the corner is God's destiny waiting to hit you in the face. Give him a praise. Would you do that? Come on, give one more praise. And just before you're seated, our pastors, pastors Glenn and Deborah Berto, who are our dearest friends in the whole world. He is in Baton Rouge. As many of you know, that Hurricane Barry is there. His mom lives about a mile from the canal where it overflows. He's there with it. We were texting back and forth between services, and he's wanted to be here there with her because last time they had to take her out with a boat. She's 92 years old. Can we show honor for a second to the greatest pastors in America who we love, Pastors Glenn and Deborah? Come on, let's show them. A little louder. I want them to see it. Hallelujah.
1: We're just so excited, and we just want you to know we honor this house, and we're just thrilled to be able to launch our book here today, Restore the Roar, and just to, wow. to be able to share the miracles of God. And so I want you to get ready. How many of you are ready for miracles today? How many of you are ready for breakthrough today? Are you ready to see the enemy run out the door and keep going? Come on! Are you ready to see break chains breaking today? Because we're here to confront where you got stuck we're here to confront where the enemy convinced you that it was over and so get ready today because I believe that there are miracles in the house today and people are going to leave here transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit
0: it's time to break up with your past she keeps cheating on you here's what you have to understand you may be seated across this house God began to speak to Karen and I about writing a new book called Restore the Roar and we're going to go deeper into that in just a moment but when we wrote this book, you have to understand we had to come through something. See, I don't believe it's about those that finished the race first. It's about those that finished the race with a limp called brokenness. Those that have chosen to live somewhere between amen and there it is, and those that have chosen to stand up and say, I'm not stopping, I'm not letting up, I'm not going back. Can we give God one more praise? Our precious son, just a moment ago, mentioned that you can gra- don't y'all love Pastor Nate and Adrian? Aren't they killing it? We have our beautiful daughter, Abby, right here. Y'all give it up for Abby. But when God birthed in our hearts to write this book, we had no idea how we would write it. And we call it Restore the Roar because the Bible says in Amos chapter 3, verse 8, As the lion roars so the prophet speaks, it is time to get your roar back. And in just a moment I'm going to share about it, but every revival has a sound. And I believe the next move of God is the sound of the roar of the lions rising back up. And we're going to teach you today how to defeat fear, but you got to understand something. There is a move of God about to break out across America. Would you watch this one-minute video and watch what God does? And we're going to get into this in just a second.
1: Perceived aberration or hallucination that grows into an absolute
0: How you handle Your greatest fear today will often determine how others experience God tomorrow the sound of a roar coming from the bride tell my lions <laughs> roar once again today as we share in this, And talk about The Roar and we speak about it. Understand this doesn't even come out till August the 6th. So please pre-order it. You can go to RestoreTheRoarBook.com or our our, uh, profile on, on Instagram. Because our goal is to show Amazon and other people that people still buy Christian books and actually we're living in a day and age where they're trying to block them and things like that but not anymore it's time are you getting this so far we can only share a little bit from this I'd love to share from the chapter about the difference in trust and faith or when the shadow looms but you can get all that back there but in a minute you're going to hear a story that what took place on how we ended up writing this but I believe I love what Psalms chapter 34 says and you need to understand every revival has a sound I'm going to go deeper into that in a second but it says yet when holy lovers of God cry out to him with all their hearts the Lord will Hear them and come to rescue them from their troubles. He says, when you begin to cry out, he comes. When we get done in a few moments, you're going to cry out. You're going to feel God meet you. This altar is already open. But I love what it says in Matthew 11, verse 12. It says, the kingdom of heaven, from the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven has been subject to violence. And the violent have been rating it. The word violent literally means fierce. We looked up the word fierce yesterday and I love the definition that we found. It's as fierce as ferocious and forceful like a lion. Now you need to understand something. When I wrote the book Unqualified that Pastor Glenn it's back there that he did the forward on. I talked about weeping lions and roaring lambs but if you'd have told me a year ago we'd be writing a book about lions I'd say you're crazy. But how many of you understand? It's the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah that set us free. And in a moment, I'm going to talk about some people that stood up to the enemy. But it goes on to say in that definition, bring that definition up at the very bottom. It says something, bring it up one more time. It means strong, proud, dangerous, and ready to roar. Are you ready to roar? Because see, you have to understand something. We're not the same people as a year ago. You have to walk through some things. I've learned that scars on earth are testimonies in heaven. And she always says it, but it's impossible to have compassion without first having pain. So I've come to confront a liar. And I'm reminded of one of my favorite stories in the Bible in 2 Chronicles 26, verse 16. We know this story. It leads to Isaiah, the sixth chapter, because Isaiah was the cousin of King Uzziah. He was best friends with his son, Jotham. But the Bible says this, and I want to point out a person in the Bible that most of us have never seen. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. Can I stop right there and say something to you? There has been a spirit dispatched from hell sent to the young leaders of this generation to whisper to them you have to act like the world to win the world and what we better understand is one of the things that God says is he hates pride and until you get out of the mirror of compromise and look out the window of harvest God cannot use you can I preach this for a second In the day and age of us standing up and say, look at me, look at me. It's the spirit of says that, no, not him, but give us Barabbas. When they scream, look at me, look at me. Because if they look at Jesus, they'll find out we don't look very much like Jesus. And God is raising up the nobodies. He's raising up the oops and the accidents. He's raising up the ones you've never read about. He's raising up mighty warriors that know. Somebody preach for a second with me. And it's what Jonathan was singing a moment ago. I hear the chains falling. So what you got to understand is, it goes on to say, but after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God. He entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Stop right there. He was a king. He did not have the right to burn incense on the altar. That was only the descendants of Aaron, the Levites, could do that. Suddenly, a priest with 80 other courageous priests, a guy by the name of Azariah, whose name means Yahweh has helped. I wish my parents had given me a cool name. I asked Pastor Glenn Berto one day, and I remembered what he said to me between services. We were at his house. I said, hey, what does Berto mean? He said, what did he he say? He said, "Um, there is no one like Yahweh. And I said, that is not what your name means. He said, it is. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, he said, don't forget it. I texted him after service and I said, I gave the service to Pastor Mike at 1031 because we have the whole transition in the parking lot. He said, you're still rebellious. That's what he said to me. (laughs) One minute over. (laughs) Oh, I love him. God help him. Now watch. (laughs) The Bible says, and he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah, whose name means Yahweh, has helped. The priest with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord followed him in. Can I tell you, I'm looking for my 80. See, every revival has a sound. Over the last year, we've seen thousands of lives touched, different moves of God. We saw it break out in Wisconsin. We saw it break out in Mobile, Alabama. We saw it break out in Charlotte. In one place in Atlanta, they've seen over 7,000 baptized in water every Sunday night. People are flying in from all over the world, getting healed, coming out of the water. We're seeing people completely delivered from the lies of sexual identity put on them by the world. And it's a move of God. The sound coming from that revival is a sound of refreshing. Every revival has a sound. The Lord spoke to us. The next sound will be the sound of the roar. Reminded of a great move of God that took place between 1942 or 1949 and 1952. It's called the Hebrides revival. It had a sound. This revival, if you study it, and I study all the revivals, there was two little women. They were very feeble, the Smith sisters, and they would pray in their cottage off the Isle of Scotland, off the the islands there in the Hebrides, and they would pray, God, do a miracle in our land, because the whole area was lost. It was coal mines and and people that, that, that lived their lives in the pubs drunk, and they said, God, do something great, and the Lord gave them a scripture out of Isaiah and promised he would water the ground. So they would pray and they would pray and they would pray. At night, they would look out the cottage windows and they would see hundreds lined up under the trees could hear their voices of prayer. Finally, the city came together and they said, we want revival. They wrote a letter to a young evangelist. And the young evangelist, by the name of Duncan, Campbell would come. And they began to pray that he would come they wrote him a letter. He kept turning them down until finally he got on a boat and went because the Holy Spirit told him to. When he showed up, the whole city met him and said, we're going to pray for revival to hit our land. God has promised he would pour out. And so finally they gathered in a big open barn and they began to pray for two hours. He stood there for two hours and finally he turns to a young Blacksmith, And he said, John, I believe you're supposed to pray. And what John prayed broke into revival for three years where everyone was saved on the islands. People were set free. Do you want to know what he prayed? This is what he prayed because it's the prayer that I prayed last year. Every day when Karen was walking through a dark season, you're going to hear about that miracle in a minute. We wrote about it in the book when our roar got restored. But he prayed, oh, God, your honor is at stake. And I now challenge you to fulfill your covenant engagement and do what you have promised to do in modern terms you know what he prayed oh god your reputation is at stake and for every person in here that's been waiting on a miracle been waiting on your family to be delivered been waiting for your breakthrough i dare somebody to get radical enough bold enough Intense enough to stand up and say, Oh God, your rep somebody help me. Oh God, your somebody, oh God, your reputation is at stake. Say it out loud, mama. Say it out loud, Dad. Somebody scream out, oh God, your reputation is at stake. Somebody that needs healing in your body, scream it right now. Lift your hands and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Here he comes, here he comes, here he comes, here he comes. And there's a sound coming over this house and it's the sound of the roar. Where the lions in this place begin to rise. Where the lions in this place begin to shout, somebody help. The Bible says... The wicked flee for no reason, but the righteous are as bold as lions. And I'll never forget when God spoke to me and he said to me, where is the roar of my lions? I was lying in a hotel room last September. We had just walked through the darkest season of my life. But what you got to understand is we had just had a miracle take place, and she'll tell you about it in a minute. And I'm laying in a hotel room. We're getting ready to fly to Europe, to Portugal, where the outbreak has happened. And I'm sound asleep in a hotel room outside of Philadelphia, and all of a sudden the Spirit of the Lord whispered to me. Because Matthew ten twenty-seven says, what I whisper to you in the dark, you'll proclaim from the rooftops. Every time God has spoke to me, he starts with a whisper. And all of a sudden I'm laying there and the Lord said to me, where did your roar go? And I woke up and I said, what God? He said, where did your roar go? And I went, I sat up in the bed and I began to shake. You know, when he's in the room and I said, Lord, I don't have a roar. I'm tired. I'm ready to quit. God, we had just come through a battle, but it's easier to backslide after the war. Some of y'all, you're so great at running to church when you're going through something, but when it's over, you disappear. We'll hold your hand through a battle, and you're like, I ain't got time for that no more. It's after the war you better learn to praise the greatest. It's after the attack that you better learn to pray. It's after that, because the spirit of lethargy will come at you. Somebody help me preach. We pray for your husband to get saved. He finally gets saved, and you backslide. Because y'all like, I don't, y'all don't know what I went through. Now he's acting all Holy Ghost. Look at him. Instead of locking arms and going, we made it. We came out on the other side of this thing. We made it. But I'm laying in bed and God said to me, where did your roar go? And then he gave me a prophetic word. Can I read it to you? He said, my people are perishing for lack of knowledge. They've lost their will to fight. Fear, exhaustion, and culture have taken the roar away. They must be awakened and realize that they are called to be voices of truth that carry freedom in their hearts and fire in their spirits. Restore the roar. Tell my lions to roar again. I did not know that we would end up writing a book on how to defeat fear in your family. I had no clue that would happen. In fact, when we began to write the book, Charisma said, what do you want to call it? And they came up with some really cool, boring names. And I said, we got to call it Restore the Roar because God's about to raise up the lions. And Amos chapter 3 verse 8 says, has the lion roars, so the prophet speaks. Are you ready for what's about to happen? Go for it, my love.
1: Can you all just give God a praise today? Are you excited for what God has? Are you excited for what he's going to do today? Because I'm here to declare that God still does miracles. Hey. I'm here to speak to where your doubt tried to take over. I'm here to speak to the lies of the enemy to say no more today. We are gonna step into a new place, a new season, a new place of freedom and deliverance in our lives. Are you ready for that? Because I'm here to tell you I'm not the same person that I was a year ago. Because you can't walk through hell and come out the same way. You come out a little bit different. You come out a little bit determined because some of you in here are walking through some dark seasons and you're blaming God. But can I tell you, God didn't do it to you, but he can use it to take you to a new level of faith. He can use it to take you to a new place of freedom. See, I can look back at the last year and I can look at it with discontentment, with discouragement, with despair, or I can choose to look at it as the greatest season of my life that taught me how to roar and send the enemy packing out the door. See, I can look at it. It's all in your perception of what you look at. But see, we came to, def- to confront two terrorists, fear and lethargy. Come on. And I want to talk to you about fear because, see, there's a moment where something rises up in you. Some of you are waiting for God to move your mountain, but sometimes the mountain is not meant to be moved but conquered. He's saying, let's climb a little bit higher. Let's go up a little bit farther. Let's get up so you can see clearly from the mountaintop. See, sometimes he's not wanting to move it, but he wants you to conquer it. Are you ready to conquer those things in your life? Because I have learned this past year. This past year, I had to dig deeper than I had ever had to dig before. See, I had to confront something in my life. I had to confront fear that had tormented me and taunted me my entire life. See, so many people knew that I was battling a a diagnosis, but what really happened was God said, I want to take you on a journey to conquer fear in your life, to conquer the place where you always doubt, to conquer the place where you always second guess what I'm capable of doing. And so about a year and a half ago, I would developed some symptoms. But right before I developed some symptoms, I was standing at my kitchen sink. And in that moment, I was just doing life, just doing normal, just washing the dishes. And all of a sudden, I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, Karen, you are about to walk through a difficult and uncertain season. And I would love to say that in that moment I became a woman of faith and power and just started just declaring everything, but the truth is I rebuked it like it was the devil because I thought surely my God would not say that to me. And in that moment, right after that, I heard him again say, Karen, you're about to walk through a difficult and uncertain season, but do you trust me? Do you trust me that I'll get you from point A to point B? Do you trust me that I have never left you, never forsaken, never walked down on you? Do you trust me that I know better for you than what you know for hey, yourself? Come on. See, he didn't ask me about my faith. He didn't say, "Karen, do you have faith in me?" Because he and I were beyond that point. We had established faith. Cuz can I tell you your faith is a result of your encounter with him. And I had encountered the living God at 13 years old, sitting on a park bench that said he would never leave me. But he didn't ask me about faith, he asked me about trust. Because trust goes a little bit farther. Trust goes a little bit deeper. Trust is a reaction. See, faith is a result of your encounter, but trust is a result of your relationship. It's a result of what you've walked with him through. It's a result of his reputation. It's a result of pulling out the memory album that says, I remember when you were here. I remember when I should have died. I remember Come when on. I should have given up. I remember when that tried to take me out. I remember in the darkness, you showed up and turned the light on for me. Come He's on, go. do you trust me, Come Karen? On. Do you trust me? And in that moment, I was taken back to Sarah in the Bible and I declared that I would be a Sarah because Sarah is the only person in the Bible who judged God and she judged him faithful. And I decided in that moment, God, I trust you. I judge you faithful. I judge you faithful in the little things. I judge you faithful in the big things. I judge you faithful that no matter what's coming down the pike, I'm gonna walk it out with you. And I'm gonna see the other side no matter what it is. See, he said, do you trust me? And right after that, I began to develop symptoms that I couldn't explain. I began to develop migraines and inflammation and sore joints and bone pain and stomach issues and everything. Everything was just, it was hard to get out of bed in the morning. Have you ever had those mornings where you just have to pull yourself up and say, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to get through it. I'm going to walk through this. I'm going to go. So I would get up in the morning and I went to doctor after doctor after doctor until finally one doctor sent me to a specialist. And when they said what I was going to, I knew exactly what was coming down the pike. And this doctor looked at me and she said, I'm sending you to an oncologist. And when I got to the oncologist and he tested my blood, he came into the room and he looked at me and he said, Karen, there is leukemia in your blood. And in that moment, something rose up in me. And I remembered that voice standing at the kitchen sink that said, do you trust me? And I knew it was for this moment. And I looked at that doctor and I said, I need you to do something for me. I said, never say that word to me again. All right. I said, because see, here's what I have learned because my God, that's not what he has for me. I know what you see in the natural. I know what you see in the blood report. I know what you see in the lab report, but you're telling me what you see in the natural. I'm gonna tell you what I see in the spiritual. I'm gonna tell you what my God says about me. You're not gonna place an identity on me that he said is not mine. And I looked at him and I said, it's like if my kids bring home a stray dog. I'm not naming that dog because everybody knows if you name it it becomes a part of the family and I said from this point on do not call it leukemia because this is not joining my family this is not joining my life this is not going to be a part of my destiny it's not going to be a part of my legacy because my legacy is going to be one that says seeing those things that are not as though they are that I am healed and that doctor So kind, agreed that when I would come into the doctor's office, he would just say, You know what you're here for. And I'd say, I know, but it's not mine to keep. And I remember because he wanted me to have a bone marrow biopsy, it was time it had gotten to that point. And I said, Can you wait until I go to Brazil? Because I'm scheduled to speak to 20,000 women on healing, on hope, on deliverance, on freedom. And you're not gonna tell me something that's gonna hinder my faith because I'm gonna tell them that they can be healed, that they can have hope, that they can have freedom. And I went to Brazil. He allowed me to wait. And I went to Brazil. And when I stepped up on that platform, the enemy began to taunt me, he began to mock me. And he began to say to me, Karen, you're a liar, you're a fake, you're a fraud. You're an imitation. You don't have what it takes because you are talking about healing and you are gonna die of cancer. And in that moment, there was a roar. Was a liar. There was a roar that began to build up inside yeah. of me. And I said, devil, you're the liar because I'm preaching what I know is true. I'm preaching what I know Come is true. I'm preaching what God has spoken to me. And I am preaching. By living my testimony in front of these women. And I stepped up on that stage and I opened my notes. And the same voice that spoke to me at my kitchen sink spoke to me again. And he said, Karen, your blood is being made whole. And at the same time in North Carolina where Pat was speaking, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, the storm is over and we got home both at the same time and I was scheduled for a bone marrow biopsy the very next day. And we went into the hospital. The doctor sent me to get blood taken. So he sent me to the bone marrow room with Pat. And he said, I'll meet you in there as soon as the results come back. And a few moments later, we were sitting there waiting to have this bone marrow biopsy. And the doctor walked in with a big old smile on his face. And he said, Karen, I don't know what happened, but when you came in here, you had cancer. But today, you have no cancer in your blood. Give my God a praise. See, take that, stupid cancer, because my God is a great big God. See, God wants you to know that tragedy has a trajectory and steals your identity at times. See, fear is a learned or perceived aberration or hallucination that grows into an absolute. But you have to strike it down. See, fear is the thief of yesterday's dreams, the intimidator of today's promises, the emasculator of tomorrow's warriors. Fear is courage waiting to be awakened. See, some of you are walking through some things, and God is waiting for courage to rise up inside of you. He's waiting on you because fear had tried to cripple our home. It had tried to cause us to shrink back and to hide and to go into hiding. But can I tell you, fear hates community. Fear hates community, and that's why some of you are so worried, so scared to join a small group, so scared to be a volunteer, so scared to to step out and to serve, because the enemy knows that if you surround yourself with like-minded believers, then there is an army that is marching with you, and you can do anything when you have an army marching with you. See, one thing that God showed me was that sometimes fear tries to enter your prayer closet. But when fear enters in, you forget to breathe. And when you forget to breathe, you can't roar because the enemy has took your breath. But see, fear is the embryo of courage. Fear is courage waiting to be awakened. And God showed me something. He had me do this poster because when my prayer time in one of the darkest moments of my life, when fear was trying to come in, I was sitting in my prayer life, and God took me this scri- to this scripture in 2 Timothy 1.7. Such a simple scripture. We've read it in children's church and Sunday school, but this is a grown up scripture. Can I get an amen? Can somebody shout with me? Because he took me to this scripture in my darkest day and he said, Karen, I didn't give you this fear. I didn't give this to you. But do you want to know how to fight it? And he says in 2 Timothy 1, 7, God did not give you a spirit of fear or panic, but I gave you the power of love, a power, love, and a sound mind. And I began to study that because we always stop at I didn't give you fear, but we never go any further to find out what he did give us. So I began to study, and I had to put on this poster because I wanted to be reminded every single day of the power that lies inside of us. See, we have given this poster to young people and uh, families, and there are young people who go to bed at night that no longer have nightmares because they claim this over their life. See, Paul wrote this scripture during a time when Christians were being persecuted in the most cruel and torturous ways because he wanted people to know in the darkest of times, in the darkest of night, is when your roar can be heard the loudest, and it will send the enemy running. See, he said, I didn't give you fear, but I gave you three weapons. I gave you an arsenal of weapons. Are you ready to pull out your weapons today? Because, see, I'm from Texas, and we're allowed to carry a gun. But I don't need a gun when I'm packing Father, Son, and Holy Scripture, Holy Spirit. Because when I get up in the morning, I'm packing with the most powerful weapons that can ever be seen. See, he gave me power. And I looked up that word, and it's dynamite. But it's also the ability to see and walk in miraculous signs and wonders. The ability to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course events it's the ability to change the atmosphere to be able to change the course of events first John 4 18 says perfect love casts out fear so he gave me power and he gave me love and perfect love casts out fear but how can it cast out fear because the Bible goes on to say that God is love So God cast out fear, and it's the only word in the Bible where we have a complete definition of what that weapon is. Because if God is love, he wanted us to understand the true characteristics of who he is. In 1 Corinthians 13 it says it's patient. Love is patient, kind, not proud or self-seeking, not easily angered, it forgives, it rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes and always perseveres. But then he gave me a sound mind. Hey, and I don't know about you, but that's the one I needed the most. Because your mind can be a playing a playground for the enemy. And I looked up that word, sound mind, and it comes from "sophroneo," a mind that has been delivered, rescued, revived, salvaged, protected, brought into a place of safety and security so that it's no longer affected by illogical, unfounded, and absurd thoughts. So when the enemy comes coming, knocking at your door, when the bully comes knocking, pull out your weapons and say, I've got the power to change the atmosphere today. I've got his love that always perseveres in the darkest of nights, and I've got the sound mind to understand what is real and what is not real what is truth and what is a lie because he said I'll give you so if you want to be, have the covering and the protection of God then pull out your weapons and quit divorcing God for a mistress called fear
0: I spent years battling fear it was secretive. I could walk on stage and preach to 10 or 20,000 young people, but nobody knew five minutes before I was back behind the building in an alley calling her saying, pray over me. I'm scared to death. Because, see, once you fight fear, then the second thing happens to you. And that's the daughter of fear. And it's the second terrace. It's called lethargy. Once you finally end up on the other side, you take on a settling spirit. You just kind of settle. You used to be on fire. You used to be bold. You used to be radical. In fact, all of a sudden, you're like, I don't need this anymore. And I have learned I don't need the presence of God anymore. I don't have to show up anymore because, you know, fear doesn't like community. I'm just going to stay back here. I'm going to sit back. I'll watch online every Sunday. I don't need family anymore. And there's nothing wrong with watching online at times. I get it. But what you have to understand is then all of a sudden you don't want the presence of God anymore because you begin to believe you did it lethargy is a spirit that comes from man throwing you a rope in your pit called settle and what you got to understand is Psalms 42 says deep cries unto deep. You better go so deep in God man can't rescue you. You ain't getting this yet. You have to understand there's a rising up where you begin to say I know I'm weary. I know I'm exhausted but no weapon formed against me so prosper. I got out of bed when she was walking through this every morning and I would say Alexa play surrounded and it would go through our house and I would walk around and I'd go it may look like I'm surrounded but I'm surrounded by you. And when you begin to worship your way through your storm we have a chapter in here called how to praise out of fear and there's a moment see i even the opening chapter of this book is called we didn't want to write this book <laughs> hmm. because what you write against you'll fight against and i immediately began to have nightmares till we got up and said shut up devil somebody say shut up devil <laughs> somebody say god your reputation's at stake See, because what you got to understand is there comes a moment where you begin to rise up and you begin to realize what God's called you to be. I love what Billy Sunday said. He said, fear knocked at the door, faith answered, and lo, nobody was there. Hey, you have to understand. We have a testimony. God gave us three things that testify. First John tells us, Jesus Christ is the one who revealed his God's son by his water baptism and by the blood of the cross. So baptism in water, not by water only, but by water and blood. And the spirit who is true confirms this with his testimony so we have these three constant witnesses given their evidence the spirit the water and the blood and these three are in agreement and you better learn how to realize that he is your refuge hide in him wake up quit being lethargic quit laying back and playing quit quit just binge watching every stupid thing on hulu netflix and amazon prime and begin to realize we got to turn worship on again we got to take our family back again we wrote about it in rebuilding all the altar how to restore isn't it crazy the minute we wrote rebuilding the altar that would sweep america go number one on amazon three times immediately her body would get attacked because the devil got mad but i got a bigger god and i've got the lion of the tribe of judah that can outroar him We began to study, why does the lion roar? We went into detail, why does the lion roar? And I looked it up. You need to understand the steps to restore the roar. Here's what the lion does. Come help me, Karen. I looked it up about the lion. I said, why does a lion roar? Why did you tell me I've lost my roar, Lord? And so I looked it up and it says lions roar to tell other lions where they are. I need somebody to give off a signal. I'm still here, devil. I ain't gone nowhere, devil. They roar to show how big they are. Their strength. To warn other lions from other prides to keep away from their home territory. So they roar to say, I'm right here. And they roar to say, not in my land. They roar for the third reason. They roar when they're hungry. Do you understand there's a moment where your hunger's got to rise up past the hunger of this world in a day and age where culture is telling you to be quiet and they're loud and we become muted. God's saying, I'm looking for a lion that will rise up and roar. And then I also roar at sunrise and sunset. And there's five five things we want to show you really quick about the lion's roar because you got to get a hold of this. And then we're going to wrap this up. But tonight, today, God is saying, I'm looking for a church that is not meek and hiding somewhere showing up every other sunday maybe i'm looking for somebody that'll go home today and stand in the middle of their house and release a roar and say god your reputation is at stake
1: but the first place you've got to start at is you've got to declare your location to the other lions because the enemy is an imitator. He prowls around like a lion, but you gotta tell him that you're here. See, some of you, we don't know where you stand. And God saying, all right Will you say please, that again. some of what you, we don't know where you stand. You go here and you come to church on the weekend, but during the week, you've got to be involved in the things that don't bring honor to God. You're standing around the water cooler talking about junk and talking about trash, and you're watching Netflix, you're bringing stuff into your home, and God says, can you please just make a stand? Can you please just let us know where you stand? Because see, 1 Corinthians 16 says, keep your eyes open, hold tight to your convictions, give it all you've got, be resolute and love without stopping. Because can I tell you something? The only difference between the believer's voice of today and the voices of perversion with a radical agenda is that that when we went mute, they went loud in culture.
0: I was praying one morning and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, son, those demons that have been dispatched from hell to whisper into the ears of young leaders rising up that lead Christian movements to tell them they have to act like the world to win the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to know where you stand. That's right, that's right. When you begin to realize that mascots don't win ball games, what do you mean? We love to wear Christian t-shirts and bumper stickers, but mascots don't win ballgames. And what you got to understand, it may say in God we trust in everything we have, but i got friends that right now are in special forces in other nations that are very dear to me that we secretly text back and forth on privately uh, text messages to tell me to pray for them when they're going into raids and other things. And you need to understand, in God we trust is beautiful. I love it. It's an incredible logo. Congress is trying to remove it from things. But you have to understand. But I love the fact that we got soldiers on the battlefield fighting for us right now. You need to realize we need to know where you stand. Number two. Too, the reason why the lion roars they, because they roar to declare your, their strength. Do you know that if a lion roars you can hear it five miles away. Do you know that if a jeep is right by a lion that roars, when it roars it literally will shake the bolts loose out of a jeep. Do you know that the Bible tells me in, in, in Psalms chapter 28, it's it uh, Proverbs 28, it said the wicked run away for no reason. Uh, well, no one is chasing them but the godly are as bold as lions. You need to realize that we had a lion that roared on a cr- Cross, and it didn't go five miles. Oh, you ain't getting this yet. It went 2,000 years later, met my family in Detroit, Michigan, met me in a bedroom in Onion, Alabama, and I've seen it meet millions when he declared it is finished. You better let somebody know you got some strength power, love, and a sound mind. Third reason. And the third and we'll wrap reason
1: up. is that we they roar to warn others that this is my territory. All right, See, moms. I'm ready for some moms and dads to go home today, to go in your home, to take the spiritual weapons that you've been given, to draw a circle around your house and say, this is my ground. This is my territory. This, I'm not waiting for a, another visitation from the Holy Spirit. I'm waiting for a habitation. A move in with me, God. God moment that says my house is your house God and nothing can cross the line of that.
0: Proverbs 30, 30 says the lion which is mightiest among beasts does not turn back. I ain't backing down culture i ain't backing down you ain't gonna tell my my kids what they're gonna believe i got a word in my house and it starts with with matthew mark luke and his brother john you have to realize i got something in my home that says i'm gonna praise when i shouldn't i'm gonna dance when i should sleep i'm gonna get on my knees when i ought to be just walking at the mall i'm gonna do are you getting this the fourth reason is because they're hungry they're hungry they're hungry Hungry. <laughs> oh, my fasa. Some of y'all got like, like this. Well, <laughs> won't you go hide in a tree, kitty cat? I'm looking for somebody. We were at the zoo one time, and all of a sudden, there's this lion laying there, and he's ignoring us. So we're banging on the glass, but he just won't even look at us. And I looked over at Abby, and I said, because Abby's Chinese, I said, Abby, he loves Chinese food. <laughs> we're that family she goes, no, daddy, he loves vanilla ice cream, and walked off. <laughs> Spankings. Listen, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5, the Bible tells us how enriched you are when you crave righteousness, for you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. And the fifth reason, and we'll close. The
1: fifth reason is they roar in the morning and in the evening. Mm. I love what Psalm 92 says. It's good to praise the Lord and make music to your name. Oh, most high. Proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. There's some of you that need to start lighting the altar in the morning and at night. Because I can tell you from experience in our home, if you get up praising God and you go to bed praising God, then you're going to change the middle of your day. It's going to go a lot different. Because I want to tell you, when we were walking through that dark season, the way we got up in the morning was we would pray Psalm 5. This says, every morning you'll hear me at it again. Every morning I'll lay the pieces of my life on the altar, Lord, and I will wait for the fire to descend because when you light the fire in the morning and it burns throughout the day and you go to bed with the light of God, you're going to wake up with victory and purpose and destiny.
0: Courage awakens the roar. Fear is the embryo of courage. You can't have courage without having fear first. So it doesn't matter who came into your bedroom when you were little. Who hid in the closet on you. Who snuck up behind you. There's nothing more dangerous than when a believer begins to realize they're not fighting alone. All through God's word there's stories from David to Simon Peter. To even Jesus facing fear. Moses facing fear. Greatness always starts with a basket of fear. There's those in this room that God says, I'm about to break this thing off of you. Wrote a chapter in the book called The Shadow Looms. How I was raised in a house where I would hear from my parents all the time. Be careful. Be careful something's going to happen. The shadow looms. But I serve a God that has no shadow of turning. And the mirages from the enemy disappear when I get thirsty for God in the desert. The story I read to you just a moment ago, found in 1 Chronicles chapter 26, about a king by the name of Uzziah. Chapter five says that he, 16 years old, becomes a righteous king. And he did good as long as he followed leadership. But then all of a sudden, the Bible says he became full of pride. See, the minute you're on the front pages, it's really easy to be in the obituaries. When you start believing your own press coverage, be careful. The Bible says his pride led to his downfall. Second Chronicles 20, 26, verse 16, he walks in, begins to burn incense. And all of a sudden, Azariah and 80 other courageous priests. I didn't quite get that. Yahweh has helped but 80 other courageous priests I looked up the word 80 in the Hebrew the number 80 do you know what it means it means prayer Yahweh has helped praying priest is what the Bible says here it comes go ahead and stand with me focus with me and they followed him in and they said king they put everything on the line to confront the man because he knew they're going to kill him. They're going to kill him. We're going to die today. And he said, King, stop it. And immediately he starts raging against him because when you confront a spirit, the spirit inside, or you confront an issue, the spirit behind the issue comes out and he starts railing, grabs a censer and they just froze and looked at him. Give me 80 in this room that'll pray on Monday night. Even when we're not praying this month, meeting to pray, but we're praying during that time. Give me 80 that'll come running to this altar in just a moment to say, I've had enough. I'm confronting the issues of the day. I'm going to stand up. If it costs me my reputation on my campus, if it costs me everything, I'm still going to praise him. Give me 80. See, I know what it's like to be in a hotel room and Holy Spirit say, where'd your roar go? I don't have a roar, God. I'm tired. Yes, we want, but I'm tired. It's easy to backslide after the victory. And immediately the Bible says he broke out in leprosy. Can I just tell you something? Disobedience always leads to you removing yourself from the presence. Because the Bible says he was ushered out of the house, never to return. And he died And his boy Jotham took over. Jotham was the best friend of the prophet Isaiah. They were first cousins. They were 25 and 26 years old. Do you know what the saddest scripture is? It says that Jotham never went back to the house of God. What you're doing right now is causing the next generation to say, I don't need it. Having roast pastor for lunch. Talking trash throughout the week. And you're wondering what happened to your kids. They don't see the lion. They see the whims. But I want to tell you something. If you'll confront fear today, the next generation will see him tomorrow. Because the Bible says that Isaiah... Oh, I wish you'd help me. I wish you'd help me. Spurgeon said... Sooner or later, every man's got to face his daddy's demons. You see Pastor Nate and Pastor Adrian, and they're blowing it up in this city. Don't you love them? But I read a quote years ago when I was young, and it says, sooner or later, every man's got to face his daddy's demons. by Spurgeon. So every morning when Nate was growing up, I'd go into my prayer closet and I'd say, God, show me my demons so he don't have to face them. Fear, insecurity, doubt, anger, whatever it is. Feel your presence in this room. Somebody's going to stop having nightmares tonight. Somebody's going to quit seeing daddy around the corner. The Bible says that Isaiah walks into the presence of God. See, if you'll roar today, the next generation will see his face. And here's Isaiah. His best friend is Uzziah. That's his uncle, his cousin, actually. Uzziah dies full of pride, gets leprosy. And his life is about to be over. That was his protection. New kings kill old prophets. And he walks in in Isaiah chapter 6, and he says, In the year that my uncle died, I saw the Lord. if you'll confront Your fear today, the next generation will say, in the year that pride died in my family, we saw God. We saw freedom. And the angels flew and touched the coals of my lips. Oh, you're not getting this yet. I got to wrap this up right now. But I've come to tell you, there's a moment where you go to battle. Forgive us for going longer in this service. We burn. I could preach this book for hours and hours and hours because we wrote it in 10 days. But it took 10 years to write. Oh, you ain't getting this yet because there comes a moment where you begin to understand if you will see God instead of the pain and the fear that tried to take you out then he'll commission you to change the world you're not getting this yet there's a moment where you begin to rise up because you understand that the true lion of the tribe of Judah was Jesus he rose up and in Mark chapter 13 it said he cried out 15 then Jesus passionately cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last do you know what he said go to John it's over when the lion roars he ain't got to talk a lot he went it is finished and the lion roar what became started as a lamb became a lion and he is all over this house roaring over your life saying I'm about to break stuff off of you and God sent me here to say where is the roar of my lions